I'm genuinely curious because John has given him uh, these classic movies one out of five for the last four weeks straight. So I kind of want to go through so think if I what are what do the, these grades mean to you? As in, like, where, why do you go certain directions when you when you grade a movie? Like, what is like the What's the, the reason you're, yeah, like why are you giving this movie like one out of five or four out of five or three and a half or three or something like that? I like, like this that. question. Um, I like so this. So I was going to go through, I wanted to start at the very bottom because personally for me, I don't feel like I could ever give a movie a zero out of five just because if you make a movie, it's really hard for that's me to a do point that five as well. Like that's, like at least they weren't all talk. They did it. They made a movie. It was shit. But you know what? Point five out of five, I'll respect it. And I don't usually go that low. I think Nate did for Absentia. Did you go 0. 0.5 out of five? I think you did. I think, I think so. you did. I think you. Did. I haven't. I don't I'm think I've personally even up. given a 0. 0.5 to anything. I definitely have, and I could pull up my letterbox and really do it, but I'm not going to. But um, 0. 0.5 I think is my lowest. I don't know if you guys would agree or if you would give a movie a zero out of five, but that's just kind of where I leaned. Yeah, uh, I guess it depends on just how atrocious the movie is because. Sure, you can have like a bad actor, a bad performance, but it really it needs to suck to get a zero out of five. Like yeah. if it was a movie that I walk away from, like say I was in the theaters and I walked out, zero out of five. Yeah. Probably. Because I'd like to give every movie a shot, you would think. But every once in a while a zero out of five comes. Like, a lot of the time it's based on entertainment value, and I feel like that's that's always been kind of a criteria for us making these lists over the years is how entertaining the movie is. And mm -hmm. if I could go back and see myself watching it again, if I couldn't, it's usually three or lower. I gave Sophie's choice at two. I didn't, I just, I'm looking at that now. <laughs> That's oh pretty God. bad. I gave the blob a I one. Think I, gave it a I was pretty harsh because yeah. a two and a half out of five and a three out of five on Rotten Tomatoes. If you were like a Rotten Tomato critic, if you give a movie a three out of five, that means you give it a positive review, a fresh rating. It kind of mm -hmm. goes up in the scale. If you give a movie two and a half out of five, it goes down. It goes into the rotten. And I could still kind of go. See, to me, two and a half out of five and three is almost interchangeable because sometimes I, I don't know, don't like a movie but still give it like a positive review for some right. reason. It's the middle. So that's it's why the I'm like, kinda, like point. yeah. I think like, to me those are a little interchangeable. Neighbors two sure. sausage party. I agree with all of these being like a two and a half, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did exactly, have fun through so. a lot of them, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, no, and that's a There's thing. There's redeeming elements for sure. Mm -hmm. Friends with benefits is on here. Dodgeball's on here. I'd probably give that yeah. a three, a three and a half, actually. But dude, that's like know. a five. Come on, five out of five is like I think I've used it a little too much. Um, but I do get quite emotionally attached during movies. So the story, I'm either gonna love it or hate it. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess it all depends on when I watch it, but sometimes it's just situational. Just, oh, I watched it. I'm comfortable at the right time. Never seen it before. Five out of five. But then yeah. I might watch it again and be like, oh, there's some flaws. Knock it down to a four or something. Back to the middle ground. I'd probably agree with you. Yeah. Two and a half. I would still, there might be one redeeming quality that would give it a rewatch. Maybe bump it up to a yep. three. Um, but yeah, on the most part, I would, I would think so. Dude. I can't. What? I have Nor Norbit and B movie as five out of five. <laughs> Dude, masterpieces. Yeah. So and bears five out of five. Well, I don't any, know, any man. Any movie with Jerry Seinfeld, you kind of have to give a five out of five. And there's very few of them, so what you have to appreciate to the ones that you get. <laughs> 
I, oh, I think honey. that's a good way to wrap it up. Is just five out of five B movie. Let's okay. move on to uh, what this podcast is all about. It's uh, we watch three what acclaimed films. Oh. We watch three acclaimed films that we've never seen before, Wait. and then we could put it up into a poll every Saturday on our Instagram stories, and people can vote and decide on what movies we watch in the podcast. So if you guys want to follow us at those movie dudes on Instagram, you guys can be part of that fun every Saturday. So the movie that I picked to go against the one that won. I want. I wouldn't. I put it against Mean Streets. It came out in 1973. It's Martin Scorsese's like first film, uh, and the, only got a 43 percent because Best in Show with the 57 percent was the winner. So that was the one that we watched for me this week. Yeah, and for me, I had Magnolia, which is a Tom Cruise film, I believe, Paul going Thomas up against. Film. Well, Tom Cruise is it's in a Paul it. Paul Thomas Anderson film. It's yeah, he's a Tom in Cruise it. film. Tom... It's not a Tom Cruise film, though. If he's Tom a supporting Cruise is... actor. All right, well, he's in the film, so I call it a Tom Cruise film because he okay, takes over enough. every scene he's in because he's Tom Cruise. Uh-huh. No. On no, an no, Apple no. box. Mission Impossible is a Tom Cruise film. Agreed. <laughs> Magnolia is a Paul Thomas Anderson film. Yeah. Anyway, Spencer's the director person. I'm the one that just likes Tom Cruise movies. But anyway, we had that going against V for Vendetta and a 50-50 tie. So I had to make a tiebreaker, which I had to do again in the next podcast. Uh, we went for V for Vendetta. It was three hours that we got to keep, but then lose 217. Um, yeah, so my movies hey. were Downhill Racer and A Streetcar Named Desire. Can Did you, you guys mean... guess which one won? This was the the landslide of the week. Was it downhill racer? Sixty nine percent streetcar named desire. That was my film for the week, John. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Did you watch it? I did. Okay. I did. Because <laughs> you said downhill racer. <laughs> no, I, I I wish no, but we had Nick streetcar named desire, which is hardly about a streetcar or hardly any about any desires of any any people. So actually, that's not true. But we'll get into it if we decide on <laughs> whose movie's going first. Uh, I am happy to volunteer my movie first if you guys don't oppose. Nate's raising his hand. Do you have a question, comment, concern? Um. I would just like to uh, second your motion. Yeah, let's go with Best Ooh, in Show. <laughs> awesome. All right. <laughs> let's do it. Let's uh, talk about Best in Show. This movie came out in uh, the year 2000. This one stars Fred Willard, Eugene Levy, and John Michael Higgins. It's about a colorful array of characters that compete at a national dog show. I am a dog person, so right right, right there, I want to see this movie. Uh, and it has a pretty high claim. It has a 94% in Rotten Tomatoes, 89% with the audience score. Uh, the critical consensus says it's a fine example of writer, director, and star Christopher Guest's gift for improv comedy. Best in Show boasts an appealing, quirky premise and a brilliantly talented cast. Has a 7.4 on IMDb and a 3.8 on Letterboxd. So this one I really wanted to watch. I was in for like a good comedy because we've been watching a lot of depressing movies recently. So mm. I just kind of wanted to laugh, sit back, kind of watch a movie about dog people and their quirky weirdness. And that is exactly what I got. But John... You watched this movie. You had to. I did. What did you think? You're a cat person, so what I did you love think cats, of? Uh, but my best job in show is a, is dogs. So yeah, I, I was really hoping this would win because it revolves around a dog show. Who doesn't like watching you know 20 minutes of a dog show in between uh you know the football games on Thanksgiving? I think that's a. I'm pretty sure that's a thing around Thanksgiving. It's in the morning. Time. No, no, no. I, it's after the Macy's uh, parade. It's, but it is uh, a thing, the right? Dog show. It's like the yeah, uh, the, Sto- yes. the Stouffer's dog, dog show. show. No, yep. it's not Stouffer's. That's mac and cheese. It's uh, I, I know the Purina. Yes, Purina dog. Anyways, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it, it was cool to see kind of in, in this mockumentary style, which I kind of forgot that it was a mockumentary until like three quarters of the way. I'm like, oh, that's why the comedy is like so off the cuff and strange. And um, but yeah, it was kind of kind of interesting to see uh, what's his name, Eugene Levy, Le- Levy, Levy, uh, John Michael Higgins, who's really funny. And uh, Stifler's mom, all in a movie again, just just happened to be revolved around a dog show. Um, <laughs> it was so weird, but there were some really funny off-the-cuff scenes. One of my favorite uh, reoccurring jokes had to be Eugene Levy's yep. wife, who yep. just <laughs> so happens to be... <laughs> Every guy, a every slut. guy she ran into was like, recognizes Cookie? <laughs> oh my god, oh you remember god. 20 years ago in that cafe? Bill? It's like, <laughs> dude. And then they're like, oh, look, what are you, what are you doing later? Like, and the husband, it just cuts to right the husband. There. He's just standing there like, what? Like, He's why like, is my wife hitting, has my wife been with every person on this planet? <laughs> that was the funniest that, shit. I, have, I, have, I love that. That was the best sex on a roller coaster I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's incredible, man. Oh, oh but my like, God. This, oh, this was movie just... was a, uh, it was 16 pages before they started shooting. And they relied completely on the cast to just improv, make up their characters, make up their uh, dialogue, and then just react off each other. And so that is what this, what you get from this movie. Nate, how you, how you feeling over there? <laughs> so it's, very, it's a weird sense of humor, this movie. And I didn't, I didn't really know what to think going into it. I didn't really know anything about it other than it being a dog show. So when I got... Uh, it's hardly a dog I, show, too. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. And when yeah. I got the first hint of the mockumentary style, I was like, okay, I'm not sure how I'm going to do with narration throughout yeah. this whole thing, especially mm-hmm. just over like B-roll footage. It was it was a movie like the, I, I there were parts that were funny <laughs> and just, every time with that cookie, um, the character that Parker Posey plays, she's the wife with the braces the going to find the B toy. Yeah, oh and she like god. yells at the person at the register and whatnot. So oh my god, dude! <laughs> she makes like a bunch of racist undertones and says she's gonna fucking deport this housekeeper that's trying to help <laughs> her so trying to try to find the toy. Just like, search... oh my oh, god, man. that and is I... not a B. <laughs> yeah, I love how the guy's <laughs> so clueless to it. Like, uh, this is it's kind of like a B. Like, a dog's not gonna know, so it's got wings. It's yeah. yellow. It's like, a it's the fucking same color. fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, what is this? This is a dragon. <laughs> well, it's got wings. <laughs> yeah. I think John oh Michael God. Higgins, though, kind of stole the show a little bit, especially the scenes of the dog show itself. Like, aside from the interview scenes, he's the mm-hmm. one who kind of stole the show in, like, the normal part of the film. I don't really know. But, like, when yeah. he's, he's, like, he's changing outfits between, uh, between you know, his, segments his of the dog run, show. And... His run with the dog with his hand just extended all the way out to the left. Yeah. And he's just, like, prancing with the dog. Like, almost like he's it's the not center about of attention. It's about him. It's not. It's about it's not, him. You don't yeah. even look at the dog while they're doing it. It's just him in yeah. his, like, blue tight So I don't even, I don't even remember whatever. what kind of dog he had. Oh, no, he so had you... a, a Shih Tzu. You yeah, said you that did, yeah. John Michael Higgins stole the show for you. For me, Fred Willard completely stole the show for me because he was the uh, guy announcing the dog show. But the director, Christopher Guest, said, mm. don't research a thing about dogs. I want you just to show up and then just do your thing. The other guy is like a dog expert. And so he was like literally reacting off of him. He's like, so yeah. which dog would be a good linebacker? <laughs> like, just like the most random shit. Yeah. 
ever. And he was just improving the whole thing. I just could not believe it. And I was in stitches. The uh, best line that he gave at commentary, he just looks at the guy and goes, all right, just random question, just kind of off the rails here. How much do you think I could bench press? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 600 i'm like fuck no dude he's like oh maybe back in the day um you know what i could do 300 yeah. i think <laughs> it, it, it was just so random i think it came to the point where uh. that was a little bit much though with with him in particular because they cut to the dog uh like whatever dog was being looked at by the judge and then straight back to him every single dog they'd cut back to him for another one-liner i'm like but it's because it's because fred willard who actually just passed away i think a couple months ago he was just a comedic genius i mean he could just improv circles around anybody and he's just it was his time to shine was when he came into the movie because i felt like the movie was missing him until he finally did come in i'm like okay finally we're getting some like consistent laughs because i would agree with you guys on the point that the mockumentary style from like the first half like I kind of was like, all right, let's. Some of the jokes don't land, and was like, it was just a little show. bit like, let's get to the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just some of the characters, uh, like some of them, you really do like, kind of like follow and think are hilarious. The other ones, like Jane Levy, I didn't really care about her character too too much, or like some Jane of the other Levy. side stories. What about yeah? Ja- what about uh, uh, Jane Eugene Lynch? Levy? What about Jane no, no, Lynch? not Eugene Levy. Jane, Jane, Jane Lynch. Lynch. Thank yeah. you, Jane Lynch. That's what I meant. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It just some of the side stuff didn't work for me completely. But um, for the most part, I I kind of just cracked up and had a good time with this one. What do you yeah, think about like the, the guy with the bloodhound? <laughs> That's what I was His just character ask. was so he was weird. also a ventriloquist. That's the director. Yeah, that was of the so movie. strange, dude. Is it really? That's, that's oh, Christopher shit. Guest. Oh, yeah. that's funny. Who's dude. married to Jamie Lee Curtis in real life? Oh, wow, look at you with the fun him. facts today. Good for him. Like they <laughs> they set them up in a broom closet. Because there's no hotel rooms. <laughs> yeah. Like, what hotel would do that? And he was so okay with it. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, what about, uh, can we get room service? Yeah, just knock on the wall or something. So they'll, accommodating. They'll, they'll bring it's you like, a menu. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, all those characters were just a riot. Like, the guy who played Mr. Green from Clue was the Ooh. other gay husband. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the one who would sit in the crowd and whatnot, and I sat there and I'm like, oh my god, it's Mr. Green. He is also a gay character in this movie as well. <laughs> would have phone yeah. calls with his dog at home late at night. Oh my god, that was so funny. <laughs> and oh, it would the in the beginning of the movie when they had they're at like couples counseling, but it's actually about the dog. It's about the dog, <laughs> and it like <laughs> it awesome. pans to the dog. I'm like, all right, I know what yeah. I'm, for, I'm, I'm for. It's yeah. a very Jesus. specific so sense of humor, and I don't think it'll work for er- everyone. But because I was such a dog person, it just worked for me. And I just was cracking up kind of throughout this movie. Um, it's got its flaws. Yeah. I think it. I think it goes a little, little too hard at times, and uh, is really pushing for the joke because not all jokes, not all the jokes, uh, completely land in this one. They were just random people. Like if we got more into like the characters and like caring about them leading into the show, that would be something else. But it was just like them ten minutes before they take off for the show, so you don't really get a whole lot. Um, I did like the whole dinner scene between Eugene Levy's character and his <laughs> wife, and they're at the yeah. dinner table. Yeah, with her like <laughs> ex-boyfriend like, you know and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. the principal Plants from right on her. big move. That mm-hmm. was the actor. Yeah. <laughs> oh just, my like, god. Just yeah. tackles her. He's like, "Let me show you the house," and they just like go into a room and slam the door. Oh, uh, <laughs> so messed up. Eugene dude. Levy's like, "All right, let's go. Yeah. Yep, we're leaving." Oh, you you have perfect boobs too, and she's like, "Thank you." <laughs> and what was the deal with that kid, dude? This that kid was so fucked up. 
But yeah, I would I'd give this movie like a two and a half for me. I'll go right into it. Maybe on a rewatch, knowing the funny parts, it might make sense to the whole mo- mockumentary thing. So I might get it a little better. But it just was kind of a. It wasn't a strikeout, but it was a foul ball. It wasn't yeah. great, but <laughs> it's still in play. Like you might. It, it wasn't might be a ground roll double watch. for you. No, definitely not. not. Um, not maybe hit by pitch, but we'll get into that later. But yeah. Two and a half out of five for me. On a rewatch, I might accept it a little more, but I was, it was just sure. missing. That something. reminds me of my uh, my baseball career in middle school. I was uh, my first at bat. This was a fun one. You know, we don't watch many mockumentaries. The last one was about like Michael Myers. Remember that one? That was kind of fun. But this, uh, this no, was, just, was yeah, behind yeah, the mask, yeah, yeah. Razzle Leslie Vernon. Thank yeah. you very much. Okay, um, well. Yeah, and that was a fun one. You know, I, I liked kind of going back to the roots in the early 2000s and seeing these people for American Pie, which is a movie I need to revisit. Um, but there there were some funny gags in this one. Some of the jokes did fall flat. But overall, I, I was laughing pretty much throughout the movie until the end when I it started to get on my nerves a little bit. I was like, all right, enough. Uh, sure. But it, it, was, it, was a, it was a fun film. So I'd give it three out of five. All right. I'd echo all of your points. Uh yeah, like I said, it's a very specific sense of humor. It, it definitely won't work for everyone. The mockumentary style is fun until it's kind of a fault. I think maybe this movie would have benefited if it was a little more straightforward in its narrative uh, or kind of took it more like a movie. But, yeah, I mean, it was just a fun movie. It just made me happy. It constantly had me smiling or laughing. Uh, so I went kind of high with it. I give it four out of five just because nice. I'll take these movies when I can when I can get them. And uh, I could probably watch it again. Um but yeah, I mean, I think there were some missed opportunities when it comes to like a, a comedy about a dog show. Um, but nevertheless, I thought I thought it was a fun one. So you could watch this movie on Hulu if you have a Hulu account. Holy um, shit, it's, everybody! It's, it's definitely a, a funny little movie. Or if your second cousin has a Hulu account, or if your dog has a Hulu account. My stepfather you know? has one. A lot of people have Hulu. I'm sure you could find mm-hmm. somebody. If you don't have Hulu, fucking find it online somewhere, bitch. I don't have Hulu. That's why I have friends who have family who does. Yay! <laughs> the, uh, I do V for Vendetta. V for Vendetta. A movie uh, that I've always wanted to check out. <laughs> came out in 2005, directed by James uh, McTeague. McT- you McTeague. got it. Come on. Yeah. Um, you sick fuck. I wanted. It just reminded <laughs> yeah. me of Cheryl Teagues from Family Guy, so I wanted to say yeah. that. Yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, James McTeague. Never heard of him. Doesn't matter. Yeah, a movie I always want to check out because a friend of ours always kind of hyped it up. Uh, his name's Chandler. Hi, Chandler, if you're watching, which you're not. Uh stars Hugo Weaving as V, Natalie Portman as the girl, and John Hurt's in the movie. Evie. Evie. And, uh, you know, it takes place kind of in future England uh, where there's some uh, British tyranny, a shadowy freedom fighter known as only by the alias V, plus to overthrow it with the help of a young woman who is Evie, Natalie Portman. 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, 90% audience rating, 8.2 on IMDb, 3.8 on Letterboxd. So overall, it's a pretty well critically acclaimed film. I'm not sure if it has any award recognition. No. No? Nate. Yes? You've never seen this movie before, right? This was your first time? Nope. Okay. Uh, Spencer, what did you think of V for Vendetta? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this was my first time watching this. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Um, I don't like political movies are movies that delve into like the political side of things. I like the more of the rebellion side 
of what V was doing and how Evie got involved. I thought that was really cool. And I really enjoyed the action sequences, though they were kind of spare. I liked them just because it had that Wachowski touch to it and it and it was shot really well. And so seeing a character like this and again, you don't see his face. So it kind of adds that mysticalness to him. Like, oh, you don't know what this guy looks like. It makes it even more terrifying. And the fact yeah. that he can throw like 10 inch daggers just perfectly and kill people like that's terrifying. I would not want to see that that smile just walking down a corridor late at night. Just hello, sir. The, I'm going to kill Fox you. Mask. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I like how they tied that in too. like that mask was based on that story kind of thing. This movie came out in 2005, and I think I saw it a couple of years after it came out, but I was, I don't know, like 12 at the time or something. Like I was pretty young, so all the political stuff went right over my head, and I kind of just wanted to see like an action movie and was kind of disappointed that the, it wasn't really that. It was it was way more than just an action movie. Mm-hmm. So like the middle school me just did not like this movie that much and kind of just put it off. Uh, and I've been hearing about all the acclaim it's gotten, and uh, so many people that we've met have liked it, like Chandler. Uh, so it's made me kind of want to rewatch it, and so I'm glad that this was the uh, your your pick this week because I got the chance to do that. I'd say that I liked it more than the first time I watched it, um, but I'm still not really in love with this movie. And I think I echo what Nate said in that I was interested in every single thing that V and Evie, Natalie Portman, were doing. I thought the whole rebellion stuff was really fascinating, and it was engaging, and I, I kind of love what he was doing. It was like, yeah, stick it to the fucking system. But then it went it went to the detective and his partner and kind of like the more political government stuff and it was it was cool to see the world building that they were attempting to do but they were setting themselves up for a little bit too much world building where it's just a little bit too much exposition and I kind of just wanted more just freedom fighting V and Natalie Portman kind of just kicking ass and doing their thing Mm-hmm. Um, if they'd simplified still, the movie a little bit more, maybe. Yeah, know. or like they maybe bit off a little bit more than they can chew, as in they were trying to do so many things at once, because it's definitely a fast-paced movie. I mean, it flew mm-hmm. by for me, and I was interested in it, but uh, the storytelling element, I think, lacked just a little bit. It could have been a little bit stronger, and I think that has to do with the director, because this was his first film. I mean, mm-hmm. he was like a second-unit director, or like a, a first or second or first AD on some of like the Matrix movies. Uh, and so then, obviously, Wachowski's, they wrote this movie and uh, had the rights for it, hired him to direct it. So, I mean, he did a great job. I've definitely seen a lot worse feature debuts from directors. Mm-hmm. And he had but, good support, like the Wachowskis yeah, absolutely. at that time. I mean, he, like, he had the yeah. budget and he had creative geniuses behind him. Um, so it was definitely engaging. I just think this movie maybe could have been worked better as like a TV series. We could really just develop this, the world building behind it because there is so much you could mm-hmm. do with the politics and all that stuff. But I just wanted more V for Vendetta. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of I echo all your points for the most part. I, I didn't really mind the political thriller aspects. I think it was kind of cool how they kind of put it in this futuristic society. It kind of reminded me of like the government being overthrown or just an exaggerated version of a... Uh, what dictatorship not really kind of government it's like like, a, hand, yeah, like a like handmaid's tale sort of yeah yeah utilitarian yeah. where this guy's just taking over um but yeah i agree that it would have been nice to see more especially of v like on the streets being a vigilante fighting people because you get two scenes of that one at the beginning and one at the end which was probably one of the best scenes in the movie i really would have liked if they had sort of explains how he becomes the symbol because at the end you get all these people right 
kind of just like coming together and um they and it's kind of the same thing happens in money heist on netflix if you ever seen that i that guarantee that was inspired by this movie the same exact thing happens um, but you mm-hmm. don't really see how he affected the people you just see the reaction to it um, yeah, he definitely affected the people because the whole end scene with uh all of like the civilians in the guy fox masks uh is like right up to the government gates and all like the soldiers passing through the, the military and yeah stuff, i mean he definitely yeah. had the effect no he because, did but I you mean, never like meet the message. people and like kind of see how they reacted to it you just see at right. the end what they're doing you don't see during the movie kind of like oh like we're watching tv seeing how well you kind of do but it just it didn't seem like it kind of it warranted uh that huge scene at the end yeah um i would have loved v- more of natalie portman and v because you they developed this relationship although it's definitely a conflicted damaged relationship because he does some fucked up shit to her i remembered that i I, I, I re- like watching that that scene again i I knew the outcome of it but it was still interesting to see because i kind of I, I now i understood kind of why he did it like he did it to test her he did it to make her so she so she wasn't afraid of death anymore like he but that was so fucked up for him to do that obviously but i was just like oh shit so i, I kind of understood it more the second what time a messed up it. way to prove that point though <laughs> like yeah. oh yeah. my god how do you set up this yeah. entire scenario for months on end to yeah. just prove a point and it's quite fucked up and one of you Um, said like political thriller i thought it would have done better as just more thriller and less politics because i feel the politics seeps in in points that doesn't really work there was like a whole reveal about what happens and seeing how it all connected my jaw dropped at one point i was like oh my god that's so Mm, cool how they showed it play out because i didn't I fell for it. I was just like, oh, this is happening. This sucks. And then when everything unraveled, I went, oh, man, that was really cool showing how they did it. Um, And the character of V is so fascinating. And I think Hugo Weaving, he's the only one that could have done this. I don't think anyone else could have voiced him with such class, but also like a sneakiness. Like he's conniving and mischievous, like a perfect blend of a rebel. And... I liked I how he was written. How... Like the way yeah. his his dialogue was so interesting. Like it kind of reminded me of like Quentin Tarantino and how well he writes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh you know, sure, yeah. And it was, but it was you, really cool. It was actually it's it's really interesting that you just said Nate that uh, you couldn't see anyone else playing him because some behind the scenes facts is that they actually were shooting with a different actor playing V for the first like four to six weeks. So like they were pretty yeah. like well into the movie and they're like. It's not working because they were really struggling to portray this character who's emotionless. He's wearing a mask yeah. through the whole mm-hmm. movie, so they're like, "How do we bring character to this person so like people can audience the audience can kind of understand how he's feeling just without having any emotion?" And they brought in Hugo Weaving, and he fucking crushed it. Do you know who was it was so before? Good as v. I forget the name. No, I don't remember who it was. Um, Wasn't uh, anybody but, big though? Maybe. No, but you needed someone like Hugo Weaving that could just do it. He, he was basically just a voice actor in this movie, yeah. but yet you could understand yeah. his emotions during, uh, during certain scenes. Like he was just definitely a, a well-trained for this, for this type of role. And uh, yeah, the character of V is just phenomenal. I think after, awesome. yeah. after you saw what he went through, like with the exposition, the flashbacks, you could kind of envision like his emotions behind the mask for me because you, mm-hmm. you know what happened to him. Um, it was so his that... body language like when yep. he was upset the mask doesn't change but his head goes down or his yeah. his it... posture changes like you can see that the tone in his voice did. and whatnot mm-hmm. too right. you know 
No, he yeah. he was really really good in the movie. I didn't even know it was Hugo Weaving till after the fact. I I tried to just not even think about it, but no, it I I think and also the filmmaking style was really cool. I it reminded me a lot of like Sin City, Watchmen. It kind of it did have that dark gritty comic book feel with the lighting, sort it's of the well use of black too. and red and mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah. There were some scenes for the end with the dominoes that was really cool. That's funny. They brought in a scene. professional Domino's dude. They took him 200 hours to set that up. Jesus. 200 hours to set up that Domino scene. Fucking uh, like, hell. Imagine but, I mean, it was work. so. I mean, they definitely had, like, I don't know, probably like seven cameras on it. Just so they would get. I mean, there's so many like, close up shots of like the Domino's like, like falling over. Onto it, was, each other. it was a really cool it was, shot. <laughs> it was a fun scene. Yeah it, was, it was, yeah. it was cool. I hope it was worth it. 200 fucking hours to set that And up. it only lasted like 11 it. seconds. I wonder yeah, what they paid him per hour. Scene. Like, how much money do you think they paid yeah. that guy? Lots. I don't know. I, ho- I hope he definitely got compensated. He probably had assistance, uh, too. So. It was interesting. <laughs> hell, yeah, dude. But. Hugo Weaving, I think, Natalie Portman was really, really good, but I just kind of saw Natalie Portman with a British accent to me, Um, but Hugo Weaving, just the way he would talk, like when he does his speech to her when he first meets her with all the V's, the V words, Mm -hmm. he's talking, not like a dictator, but like a leader, like a general, he's talking, talking, and then he just gets angry and you just feel all that emotion, then he does his symbol. And then he starts giggling. You're just like, this guy's a little unhinged, but for some reason, he's got it. And it, that kind of <laughs> yeah. made me keep watching. Yeah. Um, just because every time he was on the screen, you didn't need to see his face. Part of you wanted to, but then you didn't need yeah. to. I was wondering and how to kinda, reveal it. You kind of do. The closest you, the closest you got was when he was in that old man disguise on the uh, yeah. bench. Uh, and his but, eyes I mean, in a scene. If too. you know what Hugo Weaving looks like, you can definitely see it in his face. But yeah, I mean, he was under a lot of uh, disguise. But um, question though, because I don't remember the answer to this, or if it was answered at all. Does, does he have superhuman abilities? With no. the because he was he was like so. the cure. No, no, one of the cure. But like he was like immune to the to the like pandemic, the disease that wiped out so many people that the government was testing. Like he was like one of the subjects that like came out like on top I, because I, I, that was him emerging from the fire uh at the hospital and like but then but like he like had all these like the precision in his throws and stuff with the slow-mo and like he took like i don't know seven gun like full magazine clips to his well, stomach and was like you he, he's had like a little metal sheet but i don't know it was just like i don't know if he had these like powers or i don't know the little because he was like a test subject i don't uh, think so he did i i think he's just no? he was a resilient person that and the, the character has you know his motivations and for the sake Watch of the, the story and he crisco a lot i guess some of the way they filmed him it. like the way he like he punched a dude the dude fucking flew back like that's i don't fair. know like a yeah, hundred yards and like broke like a, like a whole wall it's like wait a second like is he much stronger than normal or like can he i don't know like uh, i don't know they don't really go into it but i mean exactly, he's the one yeah. guy to like survive this insane fire yeah you know what i mean so like maybe sorry spoiler and he but... was like immune yeah to i was gonna the... say that's very I... or something but like Gosh. it's kind of like unbreakable he's like i don't know maybe maybe he does have some sort of i guess my question abilities. was if if they did answer if he had if it was clear it wasn't clear to me if he has superhuman abilities i don't know if it was clear to you well, this is a comic it... book movie so it's possible yeah i think he might like somehow but i don't think it's enough that's like 
oh my god, this guy is so unbeatable because sure. if you watch the movie. Yeah. It's but not like he was jumping boom, a, you know what's jumping over buildings but... and shit, like, you know. Yeah. But his right. skills were definitely heightened. Like you could see in all those scenes where the slow Very motion uh, vision blur every time he would right. throw something, kind of thing. Very early two um, thousands too, the way they did that. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it, like yeah. it was um, it was like top yeah. of the line early two thousands slow motion. Yeah, the music was great too in this movie. It was it Brace just it provided this this atmosphere during those fight scenes that just kind of gave it a rhythm, and you could yeah. see the whole fight take place like that. Um, ah, I would have yeah. loved more fight scenes. I don't know why I definitely, they, they could have taken like out five total. Except I did like the detective. I like the yeah. detective. He wasn't bad, but like there were more interesting things in the movie they could have focused on. It, exactly. So like, well, I guess the way I was thinking when I was watching is like if they took this detective stuff, which is still interesting, I'm still engaged. But if they brought him and he was like the TV series world builder, and this movie just focused on V. I think this movie would have been very much like just much stronger right. and I would have been I think a lot more attached to this movie. Um but I still I still enjoyed it. I think it's a, it was still a good story and it has some really good performances and it's a it's a very different comic book type film. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah. The Dark Knight where it's Batman's movie but it like there are political corruption aspects. They don't focus on it though. You know, it, it's about yeah. Batman yeah. where this could have kind of done the similar a similar thing came out in the same year i'll volunteer and grade it first the first time i watched it uh i actually looked it up on letterbox and i had a grade already it said three out of five i ended up raising it 0.5 i went three and a half out of five because i enjoyed it just a little bit more i think i understood it a little bit better and i liked the movie i definitely would watch it again maybe in a couple more years um but I think there's just a little bit of a missed opportunity with V and his character and what they could have done with the talent of Hugo Weaving and Natalie Portman uh, and the Wachowskis. Um, I think I was just hoping for something a little stronger, but, you know, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I respect yeah. that. Yeah, I'm going to go down half and I'll go with your original at three out of five, just because there were some points where I was just lost in the political stuff and that, like you said, that side detective, what he was doing it was almost irrelevant in the end. He was just kind of figuring it out for himself and trying to figure out everything that was going on. It ended up being kind of pointless. Yeah, um, it was true. more for the exposition of V that you could see like all, how everything's connected. Um, but yeah, I will give it props though, because there was, I verbally said, wow, that was really cool. How the whole sequence with her, like getting captured and then mm. how it all played out, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, it's one of those things you, I thought that's where it was going to go, but it proved me wrong. And then I realized I was right, if that makes sense. It's yeah. just, it was a cool reveal. and But not quite enough to save it. Like, I'd still give it that fresh rating, but um, maybe another rewatch. I say that a lot. Yeah, but maybe if you watch it again in like 12 it. years of what I did, maybe you'll bump it up 0. 0.5 because yeah. that's what I did. <laughs> I when I watch it again, I just five. wear the mask the entire yeah. time. You got to wear the Guy Fox mask. It does exactly, make me yeah. want to be V for Vendetta for, for like Halloween because I've seen that mask Same. my whole life in like Spirit of Halloween. And I'm like, eh, and the I've seen the movie, too. you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's definitely worth picking up at some point. But yeah, I... I'm, I somewhat do agree with you guys. I think I did like it more than you. Somewhat. Maybe because I, I picked the film. But uh, I've always wanted to see this. I love the gritty, dark comic book aspect of the film. 
and maybe you don't get enough of V in the sort of the the martial arts throwing daggers style, but I think you need to appreciate the scenes that you do get, and maybe it's kind of like Godzilla where you only get him for 15 minutes, and you just, you know, look forward to those scenes, but I did mm-hmm. not like the Chancellor. I hated him. He was the worst character John in the whole movie. He sucked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. he was over I mean, the top, a bad villain, and well, the I didn't well, the like funniest him. thing is like he's not even on screen. All of his ro- well, he's on screen. Whole... <laughs> well, okay, yeah, no, literally, he's on screen. Yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. inception screen. He's not physically present and really like maybe Until, like, like one scene. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Uh, towards the end of the movie, but uh, he's just on a TV screen for the for the whole movie, just like yelling at his little like entourage. <laughs> I feel like every scene, it's just like I feel so bad for the people he's yelling at. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like and they're the just detectives like detectives uh. there too at the table, and he's just like, oh god, yeah, like <laughs> oh this again, again. Yeah, another yeah, Tuesday. That was the yeah, worst yeah. part, and I think that's what kind of dragged it down a little bit for me. But Natalie Portman's character was great. I didn't think I was going to care as much about her, but she does get a lot of exposition and backstory that kind of give you the the you know the meat you need to care about her. And and she was v- kind of the audience in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. No, learning she, about she it was like the we version were. of us, but a very damaged version. I was really into it. I give this a four out of five. I would revisit visit this. I'd probably, uh, as Jeremy Johnson would say, buy this on Blu-ray. So, so yeah. are you gonna call Chandler and tell him that you've watched the movie and you give it a four out of five? No. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're in the he same fantasy football yeah, league, so I might just I might send him this podcast and say nothing to like. Just just send it, unfriend him after. <laughs> yeah, block him. <laughs> Make sure you never I'll block him, never to talk call to him you again. And it just goes right to voicemail. It's like, crap. <laughs> it's starting already. <laughs> like, who are you? Fuck you. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so where man. could people watch V for Vendetta if they want yeah, to? Yeah, V for Vendetta is available on Netflix, which if you don't have Netflix, oh, grow the fuck up. Get a subscription. I know it went up $3 in the last couple Log of years. Log into your parents' account. buy it. Yeah, you your parents secretly have one to watch X-rated adult films when you're asleep. It's okay. Exactly. Kids just section. wait. Until you get a 4K TV, and then you log on to Netflix, and it's like, oh, you have a 4K TV? Would you like to upgrade so you can watch 4, uh, 4K content for an extra, like, $3? I think I have that one. No, I don't know. Because nope. my dad has the 4K TV. You have to upgrade in, in order to watch 4K content on your 4K TV. You have to upgrade your Netflix to do it. It's so stupid. It's what if just I just like, don't upgrade my Netflix? I mean, Netflix. it makes sense. It's only then it, it'll be it, um, It'll still look great. It'll still be 1080p <laughs> and, and look fine, but you, I guess you just won't get the HDR bullshit. Um, yeah, that's what my Xbox One's for. I'm going to take uh, so we like don't even 30 have seconds. Hold on. I'll be right back. Same. Oh, same. Number three. 30 uh, seconds. What? Okay. Hey, guys. Um, I can't be trusted with a microphone with a audience of three people and be trusted god if you guys saw the video of this right now like i'm upside down my shirt's halfway off like it's a disgusting view i'm surprised you guys are listening to us john is always drinking his trulies and hey. puffing shirts and oh oh, oh. hey guys i hey, do like my best sometimes <laughs> i get the white claws but they cost like two dollars more i'm just like fuck you you know yeah, why you gotta just because it's a white claw and I'm a white I'm a white girl wasted bitch. Oh hey Spencer, what's up? Welcome back guys. Hey, uh yeah I liked it. Before Vendetta, it's a cute movie. <laughs> yeah, really cute. It was cute. Um, was a streetcar yeah, named Desire. <laughs> Vivian Lee. Um, what's her name? Vivian yeah, Lee. Vivian Lee. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, streetcar named Desire, 1951, directed by Elia Kazan. Uh, directed on the waterfront, a bunch of other classics from the 50s and 60s. Um, this movie. St- 
I'm sorry, guys. I can't do this anymore. Bye. That's the end of those movie dudes. You're right. I, I just had to do a fart sound because I feel like Nate <clears throat> does fart sounds whenever he doesn't like my movies. So I like to do fart sounds whenever I don't like his movies. <laughs> I was just going to do it after each time you talked. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Vivian Lee, Marlon Brando, Carl uh, Malden, Kim Hunter. Um, disturbed Blanche Dubois moves in with her sister in New Orleans, whose name is Stella. Um, and she gets tormented by her past, by her sister's brutish husband, played by Marlon Brando. She starts to go a little kooky, a little, a little loose screw up in the old noggin there. Well, Spencer started laughing, so I'm going to give him the start <laughs> on this one. Spencer, Streetcar Named Desire. I'm trying to hit you with some classics for this podcast. Certainly a classic. What did you think of sure. this one? Clearly a classic, yeah. 98% Rotten Tomatoes, 8.0 IMDb, top 250. It's like, this movie I've been hearing about... I mean, I think if you exist, you've heard the name, A Streetcar Named Desire. I've heard of this Just movie. The base, like, Yeah, it's based on a play. Uh, the same guy who wrote the play wrote the screenplay. I'd always heard that Marlon Brando and Vivian Lee or Lay Lee, sorry, Lee. which one? Lee. Lee. I've heard that they read. give excellent performances, um, and I know that this movie is very commonly debated about if it should have won Best Picture over An American in Paris. And American in Paris is a movie that we watched about four weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, mm. You can actually go and listen to that episode right now. Wait, which hear, one hear won? Thoughts. This one. Uh, won? American in Paris won Best Picture. But people mm. kept on saying, they're like, well, I think Streetcar Named Desire should have won. Uh, so that's been a very common debate about uh, what movies kind of have been snubbed in the past. And I've always heard about this one. And I definitely think that Vivian Lee and Marlon Brando give phenomenal performances. But I am going to go in the minority and say that I'm kind of glad this didn't win. Because I would go back and rewatch American Paris so many more times than I would rewatch this. I personally wouldn't watch either of these movies again. I agree with you wholeheartedly. The performances were were really, really good. And I don't know if there were... There were probably some Best Actor noms, right? Yes? No? Maybe? So the Best, best actress wins. Won. She best won. Best Actress won, Supporting Maybe Actress, Lee. and Supporting Actor. All yeah. of Brando, which kind of pisses me off. Surprising, because he is so fucking good in this movie. Is he and Stanley? And so intimidating yeah. and jacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. He's a good-looking man in this movie. Yeah, he was like at... <laughs> He was at his peak of, uh, you know, physical. Spencer, he's jacked. Yeah, he's massive. He is a good-looking man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he was. And you even from Blanche, which the only time that I've ever heard the name Blanche is when I'm making asparagus. So basically, I'll put them in a pot, and it's, like, really hot. I boil them for, like, six minutes, and then I toss them in, in cold ice water, which is called blanching. So and this that's is the what her character kind of made me feel. Yeah, no, exactly. So she's. <laughs> I hate you guys. <laughs> Blanche, and they say her name so much. I'm like, can you stop saying Blanche? Even it's if the you're 50s. in the nineties. Yeah, but name your kid like Norma or like Jenna or Norma. That's Joyce. no better. Blanche. Joyce. That is not a name. Yeah, Joyce. <laughs> I'm Joyce. Gertrude. Oh my Gertrude. <laughs> guys, right? <laughs> 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 anyway, for the Blanche, man, everybody. Her her performance Blanche was great. Blah. It really was. It was kind of that typical fifties performance where, you know, she's kind of happy go lucky for a while and then she just spirals out of fucking control and she's absolutely insane. Because this movie yeah. takes place in this one 
location because it's a stage play. I mean, this movie really takes place in his apartment. Very claustrophobic at times. And something that it actually did really well because I think this is a very very well made movie just from cinematography and on. But they actually, as the movie progressed, they reduced the size of the apartment. So there's just it, the apartment looks a lot smaller at the end because that's supposed to kind of resemble her mindset at the at, towards the end of the film. And I thought that was actually really end. interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's just losing control of like her mm. stability. I loved Vivian Lee's character and Marlon Brando's character because he was he was a tough brute. Like it even even says that, but you can see this. He's got like a tenderness to him i know that sounds kind of weird but you see his character almost empathize and be like something's wrong like what's going on and he cares about his marriage when it doesn't look like he does like with being drunk and having people over all the time like it looks worse than it is but her spiral into madness like she they did a good job at introducing her as someone you couldn't really trust and then she kind of opens up when she finally meets mitch carl malden's character who he won an oscar too starts to kind of vent and you start to understand why she is the way she is and so you almost empathize with her as well and then things start to go weird when she's talking about going somewhere that doesn't exist Mm. and it's like wait a minute are you wishing you were there or are you just kind of in your own little la la land? And I could kind of appreciate that. And Spencer, after you said the room thing, that's kind of cool. I didn't really notice it, but I didn't I could in the bedroom. Yeah. Just exactly. it got like her laying on the bed and them fighting and stuff like that. I could definitely see it now. And if I watch it again, I'll definitely give it a, a check out. Yeah, like, I, I think this is just a very well-made movie. The cinematography, the black-and-white cinematography is so spectacular. With uh, There was one scene in particular where, like, the character was, like, really dark in the background. I don't remember what scene it was, but, like, the she had very harsh lighting, and it was just, it was really cool, just the way they were framing them. Um, like, they almost had, like, an infinity focus, and, like, everyone was almost in focus uh, during the, some of the scenes, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just something a little bit different, and, um, but I just couldn't stand... Blanche, I just her character drove me fucking nuts. I don't think you're supposed like, to I like her though. No, of course, and I think she does a great job portraying that. Um, but just in terms of enjoyment, I just couldn't enjoy watching this movie. And I know some movies aren't meant to do that, but A Streetcar Named Desire. I honestly didn't know too much about it. I thought it was a romance movie because it's the base of the poster. He's kind of holding this girl, and she's I don't know, like I don't know, looking away. I didn't realize this movie was going to be as dark and kind of gritty as it was. I mean, he's an abusive alcoholic. There are mm-hmm. times where he's just very intimidating, but he like he does have that kind of like sensitive side where like he understands that he is this brute and just like he doesn't want to be like the scene with him, the famous like screaming Stella with like the ripped mm-hmm. shirt, drunk out of his mind on the streets. That was hot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no. Wow. Was... Well, I mean, like, you, you John, I think we need character. to have a different podcast. Actually, <laughs> no, we're we're all we're on the same page here. No, but, I, but... I just <laughs> just wrapping up my thought. I just this movie reminded me of a different one uh, called "Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf." Uh, Who's afraid of Virginia Wolf? Who's afraid of Virginia? That one? Yes, that okay, one. Okay, great. Uh, directed by uh, Mike Nichols, and just the whole movie, both of them are just nothing but pity parties. There's this person just like complaining about everything that's going on in her life, and I'm just like, lady, I don't give a fuck. Just figure it out. Is it because let us move on? Is it because we're <laughs> you know 
men no i just like that we just movies don't care about pity parties i just kind of just like can i don't really give a fuck i don't care and I, I think that she did a great job performing it but i just her character just drove me fucking nuts she clearly just... was a damaged human being though and i think they do a good job at sort of slowly revealing her past through scenes where she's acting a certain weird way like when the delivery boy showed up she just acted instantly mm-hmm. strange with him and there were some right, other scenes very well made yeah. Yeah, no, there were some other scenes like the fact that you didn't like her character, I didn't either. I don't think you're supposed to. Um I just couldn't enjoy it is what I'm trying to say. It's just I yeah. wanted to enjoy this movie and I I couldn't because of that. Uh, not but I'm not knocking it because it's a it, I don't think it's a bad movie whatsoever. I think it's a very very impressively well-made movie. There is a lot of those scenes where people are just screaming complaining the whole time and that does get on my nerves because that was the entire movie who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. So I see your that actually I did think of that movie when watching this. But there were I, I did I, I appreciated the filmmaking and that I think that's the biggest positive I can give to this movie as I, I really appreciated how they told the story. The use of lighting was really well done, cinematography was really well done, and the acting was great. Give me yeah. a grade, boy. Oh you, you want a grade? You want a grade? I want I want a grade. You said fuck. Bitch. I, w- I want more thoughts from, from Mr. Nate over there though. This was your oh, movie. I, well he he can um, go ahead and close it out if you want. I can start with my grade and then I can shut the fuck up. Sure. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I will give this, after. and I'm I'm going to give Nate a better review than I normally do over the last three weeks. Two out of five. I appreciate the filmmaking, the acting, cinematography, everything to do with no, that. Even don't. the story wasn't terrible. No, I do. No, I do. You okay. Don't. I just didn't. So liar. And I'm so glad that I brought up this rating system thing in the beginning because I think you and I, John, are saying the exact same thing. But I'm giving it a three out of five because I really do appreciate. Well, like, I would never the watch this again. Aspect. I don't think I would either. But I, I definitely would give it so much higher than a than a rotten like two out of five. Like, that's like that's like a blah. But this is still like filmmaking wise. I think this is loads better than so many other films. Even though I had a hard time uh, getting behind the characters, so it's weird that we're saying the same things, but so. I guess instead of viewing it on a on a fresh rotten scale, I'm like this is entertainment factor. I was two out of five entertained, not two out of five. Me too. This is a cinematic masterpiece. Like, I don't think this deserves best picture. I don't. I maybe in the. I'm sure for the time this was this was really good, but I you know I for me I'm mainstream boy. What do you fucking expect? Stay tuned for uh, mainstream boy. Hilly Steinfeld was she, not she in the film. The there were no robots. There were no robots. So. <laughs> or John Cena. John Cena wasn't right here. I looked. I didn't think that the title had any meaning, really. But I kind of put it as yeah, it does. Um, oh. Blanche. She's like the streetcar. She's never in one place at the same time. She's always moving. She's always with different people, and she's looking for. She wants to be needed. She wants that desire. She desires things. She wants people to desire her. And so I think a streetcar named Desire kind of fits good for this. Um, And I just like seeing her just kind of go into madness. And I like how this movie, a movie doesn't have to start like confused and then have a happy ending. Like movies can have kind of dismal endings. It's all just based on the characters. And I thought her character, you guys not liking her to me, I think she did the job then. Absolutely. You guys might have seen it differently, but she did what she was supposed to do, and I've got to commend her for that, because I was like, she's so annoying, but Vivian Lee is a beautiful woman, and so that, the her performance, and then just her being gorgeous, it just, my eyes were drawn to her. 
because she just could command the screen. She commanded the entire room. And this was before Brando was big. He is one of the that's, biggest actors of all time, and she kind of led him. That's like this. me in yeah. every Audrey Hepburn movie, because she kind of steals the show in every scene. You know? Mm-hmm. It's just, and I think you yeah. could say the same for Vivian Lee, is they're just so talented for their time. They do just elevate every film they're in. So she 100% deserved the Oscar that she won yeah. for this movie. Yeah. And so did uh, the guy who played Mitch, uh, Carl Marlden, uh, and even Stella. I didn't Kim realize Hunter. that Stella won the act- uh, the supporting actress uh, Oscar for that, but she was great as well. The performances were phenomenal, but that's because they actually brought the same actors from Broadway, like Marlon Brando, uh, Carl Madden, Kim Hunter. They all came, and Vivian Lee was the only one that was kind of the outcast because she was a movie star. She was in Gone with the Wind, so she was like kind of this big name. And they were like box office. We need a we need a star. We're gonna we're gonna give the role to Vivian mm-hmm. Lee, and so the cast was kind of like resentful a little bit because they didn't bring their normal. And so that led to their kind of performances of making her feel like the outcast uh, mm. of just like the group and just kind of they're constantly butting heads and stuff. So I thought that was actually a really interesting kind of tidbit behind uh, the scenes of that film. But mm. no, I mean, I think it's a very well-made movie and uh, I, I definitely do appreciate it. Uh, and I'm glad that I finally watched it. I have a hard time with characters that just truly just like, ah, Despicable up. characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of reminds like, me Cape, of uh, the Cape Blanchett from, Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine. She was a despicable character in that movie, won the Oscar, completely deserves it. It's just like, it's but hard, like, I'll never it's watch hard Blue to Jasmine. like again. a movie without likable characters. And I think me yeah. and Spencer have that in common where it's if you don't, if you can't connect with the character, it's hard to get into the movie. But like, so. yeah, I still appreciate it and I'd give it a three out of five. Yeah, okay. Like okay. And that's why yeah. I'd recommend. And it also won best best set design and art direction as well. So it was hardly a, a lot set. of it took place right in that apartment complex. So it, it, it was it was a character driven movie, and like we've compared to Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, also by Tennessee Williams. You, you could just kind of see some mirror images between them and how the characters developed and whatnot. But I thought it was very well done in her descent. And Marlon Brando, you could see the star he was going to become. He would go on to win for On the Waterfront, also directed by Elia Kazan. Mm-hmm. So he got, he, he's definitely got star power. And all of these characters were just phenomenal. Stella, Mitch, the guy who like chased after his wife and then like starts kissing her and they go back upstairs to do it. Like there's just so many weird things going on all at once, but it was so well contained and the performances just drove it some of the best actors and actresses of all time. Um, I think it should have won Best Picture, all right. I would say. I think it yeah. was a better movie American. than American in Paris, personally. Yes. Yeah, too too much music, no story. Uh, what would you give it? I don't think you graded it. Four out of five. Fantastic. Four Ooh. out of five for me. Not the greatest thing in the world, but the performances drove it, and it's got that history behind it. So cool. it, was, uh, cool. it was pretty nice. It was pretty nice. Well, for me, I will always be thinking of this film every time that I make asparagus. So that is a new thing for me in life. Thank you, Nate. All right. Well, yeah, those are our thoughts on Best in Thank Show, you. V for Vendetta, and A Streetcar Named Desire. I had a ball, or I don't know. I enjoyed all these movies. I enjoyed watching them. Mm. Uh, I would say, yeah, give them a watch if you have these. Uh, if you have Hulu, Netflix, or HBO Max, I'd say they're definitely worth your while. But that brings us to our new podcast, which will come out next Friday. Uh, we have some interesting movies. I've seen a couple of them so far. I watched uh, half a movie. One. Oh, I got I got too tired. I wanted to give it, you know, the time of day, so I stopped. Okay. Well, the movie that That's won good. the poll uh, for me 
Uh, it was a movie. It's called Palm Springs. It's on Hulu. Ooh. It's a Hulu original. Stars Andy Samberg, uh, produced by the Lonely Island guys, and um, it's a new movie. Came out during the pandemic, and uh, that's kind of why I picked it. Uh, my movie this week though is uh, Donnie Brasco with Johnny Depp and Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Kind of a little little mob movie. I thought Robert De Niro was in this. Nope, no Robert De Niro, but definitely Johnny some Depp. Robert De Niro mannerisms from Al Pacino. I will say. Oh, that makes um, sense. Cause get out of here! <laughs> get out of here! Uh, so, so uh, my movie that I already watched, but it's a little Robert Zemeckis film, Meryl Streep, Goldie <gasps> Hawn, and a uh, weird Bruce Willis. Uh, Death becomes her. Uh, I always just randomly pull this Blu-ray out at Bull Moose and just look at it, and I go, someday. And <laughs> That's me with, it. like, every movie at Bull Moose. Freaking <laughs> someday. Wolverine, and the new Wolverine movie. I did it. And That's funny. Now I have two new, well, I'm not going to say new, but celebrity crushes if I was alive in 1992 would be Meryl Streep and Bruce Willis. You were almost alive oh. in 1992. You were probably at <laughs> Change least a I thought you were going to say Goldie Hawn. <laughs> no, um, I, I, Death Becomes Her has actually been on my IMDb watch list since 2017, and so I'm glad to finally get it out of my watch list. What a year. <laughs> and, and you uh, looked at it and said, someday. <laughs> yeah, someday. I looked at it and wanted, literally said, someday. Uh, no, my letterbox. If you go to... Uh, I had a watch list of like 260 movies. I hadn't checked it in so long. I went back to it uh, two days ago and looked at it. I'm at like 150. I've seen mm. like almost 100 that were in there and didn't even realize just by logging for oh, you know, a couple of years, which is kind of interesting. See that, so, I wonder. Um, and a lot of thanks to Nate picking a lot of these like Criterion HBO Max movies that John gives one out of five to. Do we want to make any announcements? Uh, yeah. Why don't we give I a little tease? I, I wouldn't mind giving a little tease. Cause I, I know you wouldn't, but you're a whore. So, as you so guys fun. might know, I do give a lot of Nate's movies ones out of five. And that is only yep. because I have AMCA list, which I haven't gotten to use for four months. But I love have they going been to the... you? No, they have not. Okay, good. Um, I do love going to movies, always have, ever since I kind of met Spencer. That became a thing. And I remember the first Thursday night screening was Dark Skies. Oh. And also Snitch. That was one of the first two Thursday night screenings we went to. Anyways, I love seeing new releases, whether they're good or bad. That means that I will be watching a lot of new release movies coming up. And in the future, hopefully going to the actual theater, I'll be more excited to do so. But we're going to have a new segment. And Nate can join me. Spencer can join me. Or I might just be here by myself with my cat or my father. It's going to be known as Mainstream Boy. Which is something that Spencer's called me on the (laughs) podcast. If you've listened, you may know that he makes fun of me because I like mainstream films and I don't like movies like Streetcar Named Desire. So that's my little plug. Make sure you follow us at those movie dudes on Instagram. Vote in our stories every Saturday to kind of help dictate what movies we watch in our podcast. That'd be dope. That'd be awesome. Uh, So yeah, just follow us at those movie dudes and follow, and you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you get podcasts, we're there. And if we're not, not, let us know. And personally, um, if you guys do listen to us, uh, it would be great if you went to Podbean, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, go over there, leave a review. Uh, that helps us um, so people can read the review and be like, oh, these guys don't suck. That'd even be cool. Even if it's scathing. I don't even care like, if it's negative. Right, a right. review in yeah. general would be awesome so I can read that people do listen to us and they hate us. Cool. I don't care. Don't. Um, but yeah, check us out. Yeah, they subscribe. Do. Download the podcast so we know people give a shit. Um and yeah, like Spencer said, at those movie dudes on Instagram. And everything else. Oh, and guys, wash <laughs> your fucking hands.
for fuck's sake, just wash your hands. I live in Florida. I'll probably be dead next week. So uh, keep that in mind. Look forward to the next hope. episode where Dude, we was... both read eulogies. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> fuck me dude oh man i've already got mine ready and john's gone uh, well uh we, we said some funny words today like blanche oh blanche that might be my new favorite word well i'm gonna spend the next 30 seconds trying to think of other words that rhyme with blanche ready go ranch that was the one i thought branch Tranch. Fuck, I'm a failure. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, Nate's movie recommendations. Okay, uh, watch. Uh... <laughs> the Freshman. Watch oh. The Freshman. Harold Lloyd's silent movie. <laughs>